tap into the psychology of engagement and more. This is where we talk about life, learning, and everything in between. This is the Lifelong Podcast, a show for those of you who love to ask why. Because we're marketers. It's because we're coaches. It's because we're change makers. Each week, we dive into the big questions and explore the psychology of engagement with strategies, tactics, and special guests along the way. Now, here's your guide, the visibility hacking queen herself, Coach Molly. Hey, visibility hackers, and welcome back to the Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Molly from visibilityhacking.com. And as per usual, my friends, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here with us. It's Thursday, which means it's time for another conversation. And as usual, I am so excited to introduce you to our guest. Well, I don't do the introducing, but we'll get to that in a second. I want to tell you guys why I was inspired to bring this guest on, okay? So many of us have dealt with adversities in our life. Many of us have had obstacles thrown our way. And sometimes those obstacles are little, sometimes those obstacles are a little bit bigger. Sometimes they show themselves as obstacles and they call themselves that. And other times they take different forms. And so I want you guys to know that no matter how big that obstacle is, that challenge is in front of you. If you have the right mindset, if you see that problem with the right frame of mind, everything will change for you. That obstacle will become an inspired challenge and it will push you to be better than you were before. It will question, it will cause you to question the way that you thought about things beforehand. It will cause you to think differently, to take different perspectives and to achieve actions that you actually never thought you'd be able to do beforehand. And I say this as someone who sends people, little little kids who are nervous about taking one foot off the ground, and I send them 50 feet in the air to go rock climbing, and they love it. And it's because we frame the experience in a different way. We show them that what's in your grasp, what is within reach of your hand, is what you can change. You don't need to worry about everything else. It's what's in reach that matters, my friends. So with that, with an understanding that it's about how we frame our experiences, is that that is the secret to overcoming incredible obstacles. I want you guys to get to know our guest. So I don't do the introducing. Who are you and what do you do? I don't know. I forgot. No. <laughs> Where am no. I? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I'm on the show. Um, no, uh, thank you for that. That's uh, That was a great intro. Um, so yeah, no, my name is Jeff Holst. I do, um, geez, I don't like to say I do anything actually. So I, when, when, you know, I don't know how it is for everyone, but, but it seems like down in these neck of the woods, the first, when you meet someone, the first thing they say is, who are you and what do you do? And I don't, I don't really like that question because I don't know what I do half the time. I just do whatever feels right at the time. Um, so I, I'm a podcast host. I have two shows. I, uh, I do real estate investing. Um, I'm an attorney, but I haven't practiced law in a decade. And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much who I am and what I'm doing. But mostly what I do is I just try to help people live a good life. If I can do that, then I'm happy. So in your in your bio that you sent me, uh, you said that you were a recovering a recovering attorney, and I I love this so much. So what why 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 did you stop practicing law? Everyone thinks like law is a pinnacle career. What what happened? 
Yeah, uh, well, a couple of things. Um, one, I went to, I'll start before that. I went to law school because I wanted to make money, uh, not because I wanted to be a lawyer. And that's entirely the wrong reason to do anything, actually, <laughs> it turns out. I mean, money is a necessary evil, but but you should pick something you like doing, not not just try to make money. I kind of had this, uh, I'm going to go travel and, and the best way to make money uh, would be to go to law school. And I, I probably picked that because my dad was a lawyer, you know, it was one of those things. Yeah. It just, just seemed like the right thing um and so i took over this small law firm for my dad he retired and uh, it was going well it was 2007 2008 when i first started practicing law and we did mostly bankruptcy stuff so we filed lots of bankruptcies because the economy in 2008 was just like in a tailspin and uh and i was doing pretty well uh and i was uh, kind of steadily checking stuff off my bucket list because i had this weird um belief that i was going to die at 30. So when I was like 21, I made a short bucket list and I just started going through this list. And the last thing on that list was um, to climb Machu Picchu. Uh, and so I did that in, in, in August of 2008. I went to Peru, I climbed to Machu Picchu and I was kind of like, my law firm was going well. I had another attorney working for me and I was like done with my bucket list. And I'm like, oh, what do I do now? And I climbed off of the mountain. I checked my voicemail and I got a, a voicemail from the attorney that worked for me. And he said, I put in my two week notice. So I was like, oh, I'll deal with that when I get home. Um, and then I got home and I was feeling kind of sick. And I got diagnosed with leukemia that next week. Yeah, so I literally... I literally went from top of the world, right? Like I'm, I've done everything I want to do. I even had a television commercial back then. And, uh, and then I went from that to having a law firm with zero attorneys that could work. And I was literally in the hospital dying. Um, I don't know, you know, some of your listeners may know a little bit about white blood cell counts, but mine was 258,000 when they diagnosed me. Um, supposed to be like four to 10,000. So it was way out of the normal range. And um, yeah, and I didn't know anything about leukemia other than I had a cousin who died of leukemia a few years before that. And her white blood cell count was like 150 when she died. So I just kind of went, uh, I guess I'm gone. Like I'm, I'm past reality here. Um, and yeah, so that, that kind of caused me to sort of reevaluate stuff. Um, that's a, it's a tricky thing. Um, it's funny though. I, I wouldn't say it was, it was, it was not easy. I don't, I don't want to say that it wasn't easy, but I was actually okay with what was going on because I'd had this thing in my head that I was going to die at 30 and now I was 30 and I was dying. So I don't know if it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy or what, but, um, but I was kind of like, well, I've done all this great stuff. And then my family was all showing up at the hospital and I was like, people love me. Um, and I was worried about like what would happen to my wife, you know? And, and I was like, you know, cause she, I, she just put me through law school. I'd only been practicing law for a year. We had just bought an expensive house. Um, and we were on this trajectory that seemed like it was going to be really good. And then it got, you know, a little bit different than what we had thought. Um, but I was mostly positive about the situation. I kind of went like my dad came into the hospital the first day and he said, you know, if you live until February, this again, this is in September. So he's like, if you live till February, I'll take you to Australia. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool. I'd like to go to Australia. But then I thought, nah, I just hope I make it till Christmas. That's, that's really where my mind was. Um, but, uh, generally positive at the same time. And I think that's the secret to getting through stuff like that is you have to have a positive mindset. So um, I'm gonna flash back for a moment and tell you a little bit more about my story. So when I was 
yeah right like that like I, I don't do those cool motions like you but 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 like that so back when I was 17 mm-hmm. um my parents went through a divorce when I was like 15 to, to 19 they it was like a long drawn out process when I was 17 I was feeling I won't say depression because that's a clinical thing but I was feeling teenage angst and I was generally unhappy with my life and I was looking in the mirror one morning while I was getting ready for school and I thought to myself this is kind of dumb you know I live in like the western world and I'm young and healthy like I shouldn't be upset like yes this stuff with my parents is messed up and like I was having girlfriend trouble at the time you know but all of that was relatively minor when you looked at the like long arc of the future life that I had which at that point I thought was going to be 13 years because I'd already decided I was going to die at 30 back then and yeah I know it's crazy it doesn't make any sense I wish I hadn't done that because maybe I would have avoided leukemia then but uh, um <laughs> <laughs> who knows really right but uh so anyway so i i made this decision that i was going to have a good day that day i said today it's going to be a good day and i went to school and you know i got into like you know arguments with friends and stuff and it wasn't really a good day but i just kept saying today's a good day over and over and over again and this is like this is like in the mid 90s so this is pre-internet like we i mean the internet existed but we didn't have youtube and google and all that stuff so like i didn't know what i was doing was affirmations but it really was just an affirmation i'm just saying today's a good day over and over and over again hundreds of times a day for weeks on end and then one day i walked into a convenience store the guy behind the counter said how you doing today and i just said i never have bad days i didn't even think about it it just came out from me right and i went holy crap I never have bad days. Like it dawned on me that I hadn't had a bad day in like months at that point. I was 17, haven't had a bad day since. So when I was diagnosed with leukemia 13 years later, um, my brother came into the hospital and he says, I bet today's a bad day. He's almost like trying to prove it's impossible (laughs) not to have bad days. And I was like, not really. Like I got diagnosed at 10 o'clock at night. Most of the day was pretty good. So it was all right. The next day was a little bit trickier, right? It was like, okay, what do you do now? Um, And I was like, I was struggling with this. My wife was exhausted. She went home to sleep. I was by myself in a hospital room. And I was like, man, today's a tough day but it's a good day. I just don't know why yet. I'm going to figure this out. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Right. And I'm thinking other stuff too. Like, I hope I don't die and you know, all this other things. And, uh, and we didn't know at that point, you know, we hadn't done the bone marrow biopsies and stuff to figure out exactly what kind of leukemia I had. We just knew I was in bad shape. And um, yeah. And I just, I just was like struggling a little bit. And then about two o'clock in the afternoon, there was a shift change and this nurse walks in and she looks at me and she goes, Oh my God, Jeff, I'm so sorry to see you here. And I look at her and I go, oh my God, Shelly, I'm so happy to see you here. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like I get to see Shelly. And she was like a childhood babysitter of mine that I hadn't seen in like 20 years. And instantly my brain said, see, that's why you're here. You need to see Shelly again. And today's a good day. And I never wavered after that. Like that was the one time that I felt, oh, this is a struggle. But then my mind said, no, this one good thing happened. And the thing is, good and bad stuff happens to me, to you and to everyone pretty much every day. Like you're not, I mean, 
it's just about how you frame it. It's like what you were saying in the intro. It's like how you react to it that matters. What you're thinking about matters. I love this story about um, taking kids and climbing rocks. Um, and, and, you know, because it really is, it's like what's in your reach that matters. And in my subconscious mind had been trained for more than a decade to look for positive. And so when one little tiny positive thing was there, my mind reached for it and grabbed it. It's kind of like when you get a new car and everyone seems to have the same car. Your brain recognizes what's familiar. My brain is used to seeing positive things. It doesn't like to see negative things. And so that's that's my story. Oh, oh that's that for a super long intro of myself. I love it. I love it. That is all the emotions right there. Oh man. Okay. So first off, Machu Picchu, beautiful. Yeah. Great. great. Like, so I did the Inca Trail. Okay. Oh, nice. I wish it, I had. Oh, it was I did the brutal. cheating up, take the bus up the hill thing. Oh, geez. Okay. Inca How trail. many days does Inca trail? Like six days? Something we like did four? it in three and a half. Oh, okay. So it's um, shorter than I thought. Yeah, <laughs> but I wouldn't recommend it. So there's another, another place that you need to go. Okay. If you like okay. to like to do the walk, you could take it at a much more leisurely pace and you could bring more stuff with you. So it's called the Lars Trek. It's in the same area. It ends up at about the same place. It goes I, higher in elevation. It's stunning. We didn't see another person around. So you did us. both. You oh, did yeah. that one later. You went back and tried. So same, I think same I, trip. <laughs> oh, nice. So I think I actually read about that in um, Turn Right at Machu Picchu. Like I forget the guy's name who wrote the book, but he writes this book about trying to find evidence of um things that Hiram Bingham the, the discoverer of Machu Picchu um had written about in his book and so he does this like travelogue and, and it sounded fascinating actually it's it's just incredible and yeah. so we end up arriving at the sun gate at like oh like five o'clock in the morning and we're all dirty we're like totally stinky like okay I've been there. I mean, the like the totally stinky after climbing for days on end thing. Yeah. It's terrible. So then we're we're sitting there at the main gates. We've checked in. We're 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 there, and it's clouds everywhere, just clouds. And I was like, why why are we here? And I knew I saw myself snapping into that like, oh, this is wasted time. Why did I get up so early? Like blah 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 blah. And my guide, and then I just was like, you know what? I need to check my, my current frame of mind. This is not cool. I'm in a stunningly beautiful place, but I have this like negativity that's showing up. So I'm just going to go over there for a minute. I'm going to sit away from the group. I'm just going to take a couple breaths and I'm going to check my brain. Well, my guide comes over and taps me on the shoulder and he goes, I know you're here to just take a moment, but I don't want you to move from this spot. Just, just don't move from this spot. And I was like, fine, I don't feel like moving. So don't, I'm not moving. And then the sun starts coming up over the mountains and it starts burning away the clouds. And it's like the seas parted and the clouds just dissipated. And there it was like Machu Picchu is, it gives me chills just thinking mm, about it's it. It's giving me chills right now too. But just having that moment to go, nope, this is not the thought process I need to be in. I need to be, I need to be in the moment to say, I am appreciative of the coolness of this rock because I'm sweaty and I'm gross. And I need to be appreciative of this freaking view. And I need to show gratitude to my body who took me here on my own two freaking feet up millions of stairs. And I am excited and I am grateful for the fact that I am able to do this. And it was after you, I changed that 
thought process in my head, I looked around, literally looked around and the world looked different. Literally. Mm. The clouds yeah. were gone. No, like, I, I had that same kind of experience on Mount Sinai, actually, which is a yeah. much smaller climb, right? Like it's a one day climb. You yeah. climb it at night and you, you climb up to the top and then wait for the sunrise. So it's kind of similar. And I was like, I had gotten sick, you know, it's Egypt. Like I've, I've been to Egypt several times. I love Egypt. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's an amazing place. But I, every time I've gone there, I've gotten sick. Um, mm. I, it's just impossible to avoid the Pharaoh's revenge stuff. Right. And, um, and everyone I know that's gone there has gotten sick. I've never met anyone that's gone and not gotten sick. And I, I was um, in this, this time I'd been in Cairo for four weeks or so. And I was avoided getting sick for like four weeks. And the day before we went to the Sinai, of course, I started, came down with this, like everything coming out of every orifice, miserable. And I was exhausted and I could barely walk. And then I'm like, I'm going to climb the stupid mountain. And then I ended up hiring a camel to take me part of the way up because I was so tired. I was, it was just miserable. And I got to the top and I'm like, this is stupid. I don't even know why I'm doing this. And I'm sitting there and, and uh, I all of a sudden I hear people singing, singing. And I was like, why are people singing? And I'm looking around and there's a small group of like religious pilgrimage people because you know, it's Mount Sinai. It's the the Moses burning bush and all that stuff. And I mean, I was, I mean, I was just climbing it because it was there pretty much. I've actually only climbed three times in my life. We're going to like, we might as well go full circle and talk about the third one in a minute here. But so I climbed Mount Sinai and then I climbed Machu Picchu, although like I said, I cheated on both of those, but the one I didn't cheat on actually was last year, 2020. Uh, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro yes and that was the time that i you spent eight days outside sleeping on the ground and like getting sweaty and disgusting and like you know all that stuff and that was so hard so hard kilimanjaro tallest mountain in africa did you ever do that one by the way not yet not yet look i'm never doing it again but i recommend (laughs) it for everyone one time I'm a, I'm a cold climate person, so I did like Mont Blanc in the winter, but nice. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready. I want, I want that. Well, when you kill. climb Kilimanjaro, like after the second day, it's not too hot, right? The Ooh. heat isn't the issue after that. Cause you know, you go through seven climate zones in seven days. Wow. It's very strange. You start out in a tropical rainforest and you end in glaciers, literally <laughs> like freezing cold wind, like snow and ice everywhere. It's very strange. And then you're only like a degree and a half off the equator. So the idea of like having snow at the equator is just bizarre. Um, You know, and who knows how long that'll be there, but uh, it seems to be holding up. At least it was last year. So (laughs) and this year it's been like, um, yeah, I mean, talk about weird stuff, right? So I climbed um, Machu Picchu and I came down sick. I climbed Kilimanjaro and I came down and the whole world was sick. Cause like I literally went up in the middle of February and came down at like, like late February. And I was like, what happened while I was on this mountain? Cause we were disconnected for the most part for, for eight days. Yeah. Yeah, It was a really strange experience actually. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Let's, let's go back in time. I want to know more about this mindset shift when you were 17. Like what, what inspired that? Like I, I, I hear you talking to yourself but was there some kind of external motivator that's that inspired you to say there is a different way uh I wish I could say I knew the answer I think about this actually a lot because I I didn't really I mean 
I realized it was weird to not have bad days because people were like, that can't be right. You, yeah. you must have bad days. You're lying, you know, whatever. But I didn't really think of how weird it was until I started telling my story publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, a, two, three years ago, I started talking from the stage a little bit. And then, and that was just because somebody was like, you really need to tell this story. And I, it was a real estate event because I do a lot of real estate stuff. And people were like, that's the most amazing part of your story is this leukemia stuff. And I was like, oh, I thought I was talking about real estate, but, but I learned, I was actually talking about the, the more interesting thing, which is, you know, this positive mindset. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've thought about it a lot over the last couple of years. And I just don't know. I I just literally woke up and went, this is dumb. I'm not going to do this anymore. There's got to be a different way. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't really tell people this very much, but let's let's just go for it right so that morning i took a knife into the bathroom with me and i put it on my wrist i don't think i actually wanted to kill myself because as soon as i put it on my wrist i was like that hurts (laughs) i don't want to hurt myself you know but i was like i mean that was the kind of mindset i was in and i took that and i walked out of the i looked in the mirror and i went that's just so dumb and i walked out of the bathroom threw the knife in the sink and never thought about it again You know, so that's why I say I don't think I was really depressed. I think it was like teenage, you know, nonsense. But, but like, the point is, like, I was in a dark place. And then I was like, I don't want to be there. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's the only thing I can really say that really made a difference. Um, and you know, it's so much easier if you have a model, like, so you can go online and watch like affirmation stuff now. And it's yeah. like, I'm like, kind of jealous of that, because I didn't know it was going to work. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it works. Like if you tell yourself like a hundred times a day, today's a good day, eventually it will, you'll just have good day. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. literally almost that simple. Yeah. At the end of every day, I like to think about what am I grateful for? What, what lesson did I learn today? And when you start to collect those types of thoughts, rather than collecting, well, what went wrong? How did I fail today? Collect the more positive things because it's through those lessons that we learn and we develop and we get better at whatever it is we're doing. Like that, but it's so hard for people to make that switch. And it's so hard yeah. to go through that first week of it. It's kind Ooh, of it's what tough. I'm thinking like withdrawal might feel like for people where yeah. they just want to stop. They just want to get off this bus. It doesn't work. But if you just keep framing the experience, mm-hmm. if you're feeling that negative emotion, you just go, okay, I need that check. Why am I so negative right now? What is the positive? And I, I like to think of the positive. Um, I call it glitter moments of glitter where you might not see, like you might have a totally crappy day and everything is miserable and black, but there's going to be at least one speck of glitter, one speck of glitter. And we know glitter is like the herpes of the crafting world. So it spreads everywhere. So if you can find that one piece of glitter in the darkness, that's going to help you spread it to someone else. Oh, and it's going to be stuck on you forever too. That's exactly. <laughs> Can't get rid of that stuff. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's really good. So like we interviewed on, I have this show, Last Life Ever. It's about living the best version of your life. And we just try to interview people doing interesting, extraordinary things. But, you know, people that like quit their jobs to start charities, but also people that are like, sell everything and go on a sailboat around the world, you know, just like whatever it is to them, whatever their best life is for them. That's, that's, you know, within like moral limitations, obviously I'm, you know, I'm not interviewing serial killers and being like, good job on that. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, but, 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 you know, trying to like build this positive, 
community. And so we interviewed um, a guy actually who lost his son in the war in Afghanistan. And um, he, I mean, that was dark, right? I mean, he was, he, and we interviewed him on, on uh, American Memorial Day, right? So it was like a, um, it was like a tribute thing. And he said that, and he started a charity to help um, uh, veterans, returning veterans deal with, um, you know, the traumatic stress injuries that they get. And, uh, and he was, he was talking about how the first period of time after he he lost his son how difficult it was but he just kept thinking to himself i have to find three positive things that come from my son's death and if i can do that it'll be okay and i was like that's insane that's kind of what you're talking about right like no matter what's happening in your life like if you find some positive in it and like you're in the hospital and you get to see your babysitter or you know you're you're realizing that you're helping a bunch of people um you know because of that and really like one person would say to me like well you know yeah that's fine you saw your babysitter but was it really a good day you had leukemia and you had to deal with this stuff and then I ultimately ended up bankrupt like that's the next thing that happened like because my law firm fell apart and I was a bankruptcy attorney and I had to go in front of people I worked with and be like yep sorry I'm out um (laughs) right and that was a little tricky too and I had another moment like that that day um the bankruptcy trustee so the way that these things work, you, you go in front of a trustee and they, they have you testify under oath about how poor you are, essentially, right? And, um, and I, I knew what to expect because I've been to literally hundreds of these hearings. Um, and there's several of them and they assign them at random. And there was one that I didn't want to get, like just one. I don't want to get this one guy. Um, well, there was actually two, but I, I hired one of them to be my bankruptcy attorney so that they would be conflicted out. Um, so I was like, okay, now there's only one of one in five chance I get someone I don't want to be my trustee because like I, I would just like that's the one I don't want. Right. And of course, I drew that trustee. And uh, so I sit down in front of him and I'm like, oh, my, this is going to be terrible. It's going to be really bad. And he looked at me and he always started the same way. And he paused his recording and he looked at me and he said, Jeff, I just want to tell you, I'm really sorry you're here right now. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's human. <laughs> and like, that was the moment. It was like the, like, like when I saw my babysitter in the hospital, that was the thing that my mind grasped on and the whole thing went fine. And, you know, in retrospect, getting sick, going bankrupt, it caused me to get out of practicing law, which was the one question you asked me at the beginning, like, how'd you get out of law? Like, that's how I got out of law. I didn't want to do bankruptcy anymore after filing bankruptcy. So I took a job. I moved out of state. I lived in Michigan. Then I moved to Tennessee. Um, I took a job and I was highly motivated to restart my life in a much better way. And so I started investing in real estate on the side. And six years later, I was able to quit my job. And now I just get to like play around on podcasting and like go to Africa. So you know, my life is so much better because of this fact that I got sick and, and ended up bankrupt. So even though that at that moment, it might seem arbitrary to be like, this is like the thing that's positive. The reality is it actually was very positive because by having a good mindset, I moved forward, I moved through it and I figured out a new life that was much better than the one I had before. Oh, I love it. And you were so motivated by that the difficulty that you went through, the challenges you went through and going, hey, I can overcome that. So why not take this opportunity to restart? Yeah. Why not? Like you had literally, I am like totally enamored by the fact that you had literally written a bucket list, checked things off and could have been in the moment go, all right, I'm done. Like 
I could totally give up now. I've done. I've accomplished yeah. everything. But pro, pro tip on that: don't don't check the last thing off your bucket list because you get leukemia like the next day. Like, <laughs> like proven like it's a, fact. It's a proven fact for me at least. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, no. So don't do that. Like I have. Mu- I don't believe in bucket lists anymore as a result of this. Um, so whenever people say that, I'm like, oh, I have a bucket list. That sounds like a bad idea. I have a life list though, things I want to do. And I just keep adding to it constantly. And, um, you know, some of them are travel goals and stuff like those are fun, but a lot of it's, you know, personal stuff like, and, and, and most of it now is centered around expanding last life ever to really leave an impact because I see how we're helping people because it's way better if you don't have to go through leukemia to realize that life is short. And that's really what last life ever is about. It's really at the end of the day, it's really about saying we get one chance. This is our last chance. So let's go live the best possible version of this life. And some people do such extraordinary things. If I can bring people on and interview people that are doing extraordinary things, whether they're famous or not, it doesn't matter. Like if they're doing something that's really good, then I want to share that story. And so that's like my big passion now is just helping people. Um, and, you know, someday maybe we'll even sell courses and stuff, but right now we're just trying to inspire people. Yeah. You're creating that movement. I love yeah. it. Yeah, And it's so, been really fun. I mean, yeah. we even have a private Facebook group with like 1500 people in it and we haven't really been promoting it. So people can secretly find that it's not hard. You just type <laughs> last life ever into a Facebook search bar. But, uh, Magic. Yeah, I know. It's crazy how those search bars work. You know, it's I, an, a, a, an interesting observation. I almost said you just Google it on the Facebook search bar. That's how infiltrated Google is, right? Like every Uh-oh. time you search for something, you think you're Googling it, even if it's not on Google. Even if it's on Ask Jeeves, it's yeah, still exactly. Googling. Yeah, I'm going to be like, hey, Surrey. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's Google. Uh, I'm Googling something with Surrey right now. <laughs> Oh, so on your podcast, other than, uh, other than the, the father you have previously mentioned. Now my Google's talking to <laughs> Hey girl, hey. Yeah, yeah. What, who would you say is your most inspirational um, guest that you had on the show? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, we've had some really good guests. Um, wow. Um, no one's ever asked that before. Um, you, people always ask me who my most famous guest is. And that's, I think it's probably TJ Miller, the comedian. He was like, he's hilarious. And he was really cool. We spent like an hour and a half with him. He literally emailed me one day and goes, Hey, can I do that podcast thing tomorrow at noon? And I was like, yeah. So we just like, he was like, I'll give you 15 minutes. And we were on for an hour and a half. Nice. So that was crazy. But um, the most inspirational uh, man, it just depends on what your goals are. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so like we had this one couple come on that, um, that, you know, they, they sold everything and, and took a sailboat around the world. That's why, you know, I mentioned that one. And I thought they did like four years with their kids, um, world schooling them, you know, teaching them the whole way. And they came back, um, to, uh, to Amer- America, like literally like in February of last year. And so then they're really disappointed. They're like, we wish we were still on the water because yeah. we, we thought we'd be able to travel and stuff. And they've been stuck in their house and, you know, during this whole period. Um, so that was a really inspirational to me because I think it's so crazy to quit your corporate job and like, just go do what you want to do. I think that's amazing. But we also interviewed this guy, Lee Abamante, who is the youngest person to travel to every country in the world and the North and South Pole. Wow. 
So he's like 31 years old when he got to the South Pole. And that was like, like he'd been everywhere in the world, like literally everywhere in the world by 31. And I was like, that is like, I, I had this goal. I still do. It's I call it a 50, 50, 57 goal, which was, I wanted to go to all 50 U S States, 50 countries, seven continents before I turned 50. And I thought that was pretty aggressive, but now I'm like, man, I'm kind of lazy, I guess. Cause like, <laughs> Please, I want to do the five biggest waterfalls, the five biggest mountains, every continent, and I want to swim in every ocean. Nice. I like the swim in every ocean one. That's a good one. Um, There's a couple of those oceans that are kind of cold, though. You know what? They have wetsuits. It's true. That's true. Even even if I'm just dipping a toe, I'm good. I did that in the Hudson Bay once. Like I, yeah, that's just, cold. I tried to go and it was in May. So it's like a really cold time to do it. And I was like really set on swimming. I had my swimsuit on and I got up to like my knees and I was like, no, I can't do it. It's too cold. I'm done. I'm out. I kind of regret that though. I, if I did it again, but I kept thinking to myself, like, so this is like um, the James Bay part of the Hudson Bay. So I, it's kind of cheating Hudson Bay a little bit, but, um, and I drove up there too. Like, so I'm going to drive up to like, Chisasibi, right? Like at the end of the road, essentially. Like you can't go anywhere else after that. And you get out to the water and you start, you have to like move ice away to get to the water. You know, you're like cracking ice and stuff. And and like I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's probably not a hospital for, I don't know, like a thousand kilometers or something. Maybe I ought not go in the water right now. <laughs> but it's really just an excuse because I probably would have been fine. <laughs> maybe maybe like it's a canadian thing to do polar dips so we yeah. like to to jump yeah. in the cold water and most people don't die from that so. yeah that's what i'm saying i think i probably would have been fine right? i mean i'm not saying like i was gonna stay in for like a you know an hour or something it's gonna be in and out pretty fast <laughs> so back to your show so we've we've heard about your most inspirational we've heard about your most famous mm-hmm. how has your show and the guests the people you've talked to and the conversations you've had how have they changed you well, I think about that guy, the, the, his name is um, Mike Pearson, the one that lost his son in Afghanistan. I think about him a lot, actually, um, because it really helps me sort of frame this positive mind. Because I talk about this positivity stuff all the time, and I think, like, how else can I explain it? And like, how can I prove you can positive things can come from bad things? And so I think about him a lot, even if I don't explain the story about that to people I still think about it because I'm like if that guy can look at something that tragic and say you know this actually is a really good thing in the scheme of my life like that I mean I'm sure he's not saying it like that that sounds kind of callous but but if he can look back at it and say yeah that was there's these good things that came from that then um then then that helps me present it but it also helps me like when I am dealing with struggles, like say there's a global pandemic that makes it so the whole world shuts down and people are getting sick and like all this terrible stuff is happening. Um, I can go, okay, all right, <laughs> let's stop for a second and think about it. Um, and and it, that, that helps a lot. And then the other thing that's helped a lot is it's just connected me to some of the most amazing people. I mean, literally just like, well, we're talking right now. If I didn't have a show, we wouldn't be talking. Um, but I mean, I interviewed um, Heather Moyes who um, is a Canadian bobsledder, actually. She's got two gold medals, um, and she was a Canadian national rugby team, and she climbed um, uh, to the highest point in Antarctica, 
right? I mean, she's just a fascinating person. You should get her on your show. You should just go track her down. She's not hard to find. I think it's like heathermoist.com. Uh, but anyway, Done. or Instagram or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link to it so you don't have to even look. But yeah, so we interviewed her and then like, she's like reaching out to me, sending me messages saying, hey, like I'm really interested in real estate investing. Can we talk about it? And I'm like, now I'm friends with like, an Olympic bobsledding gold medalist. I mean, how does that happen, right? And there's this other guy who's like a really big deal in the real estate world, um, who's, he's got like 3,000 apartment complex units and he came to America from India with $7 in his pocket. And he's like texting me and being like, hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. And like, he calls me every once in a while to check in. I mean, this is just so crazy to make relationships like that. Um, and best-selling authors and all kinds of people like that. It's just kind of, kind of fun. So, oh man, you have collected a community of incredible people. Yeah. Well, if you're really positive, positive people like to hang out with you. That's I know. That happens. I know. Okay. Like, you so you can be friends with me if you want. It's cool. <laughs> I'll let it go. So for my people listening at home, how do they get into your world? How do they hear your podcast? Where do they find it? Sure. Tell us everything. Yeah. So we're on all the podcasting apps for the most part. Um, last Life Ever is. Uh, so it's just Last Life Ever. Um, oh, we have the private Facebook group, Last Life Ever private group. Um, because there's a page too. So you really want the group. That's that's how you that's where we hang out. So get into the group. We'll let you in, I promise. There's two questions. Um, the answer is yes and yes. So if you get that, yeah. I mean, it's like, do you promise to not be negative and like do you promise to be positive? Like they're don't be a jerk. Yeah, it's pretty much all it is. It's like if you come in here, we want you to be nice. (laughs) You can be negative somewhere else, but not in my group. Yeah. Just here's your moment of positivity. Take your negativity out in the hallway, kids. Yeah, exactly. So that's, uh, so that that's the best place to get like one on one time with me. But I mean, I'm on all of this. I don't hide my, I, um, most of my social stuff is actually under Jeffrey Hulse, so a J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. Um, so like at Jeffrey Hulse on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, you know, wherever. I'm on all that stuff. I don't really pay that much attention to TikTok, though. That one's confusing to me. Um, I guess I'm not silly enough for it. Although if you want to see me like lip syncing to like Fireball by Pitbull, that's where you would see it. Oh, um, yeah, oh, check it out, my friends. That's, that's right. So that's, and, and I'll have like seven views instead of the six that I have now. So, cause Even I don't better. have any like TikTok followers cause I don't do any TikTok stuff. So. <laughs> oh, but, okay. Um, Last question before we go. Okay. How do you want to be remembered in a hundred years? I want to still be alive in a hundred years. All right. That's, nice. that's the answer to that. I mean, nice. I, I don't know if I will. In fact, I suspect I won't. I'm 42. Like I'd be really old then, but you know, medical technology and all that. Um, but a hundred years after my death, I want to be remembered period. Like if someone remembers me a hundred years after my death, that's a win. That means you made an impact. So hopefully you will be that icon of positivity in someone's brain and it will live on forever in that way. That would be amazing. Oh, Jeffrey, thank you so, so much for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute blast chatting with you. You as well. Thank you for having me. You guys at home, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share this episode with someone you know who will benefit from this amazing dose of positivity. Let's just say it's your daily dose of vitamin P for positivity. I don't know. 
you know I'll you know me that. guys <laughs> all right and uh that's that's it that that it's a wrap it's it's cut scene done end all right so that's it i'm i will see you guys in our next episode remember i love you and be excellent to each other <laughs>